This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Frida Liu. You're listening to Enterprise. It was a journey that started in about 2005. After 15 years, Love Bonito recently announced the close of a Series C funding round, raising a total of 50 million US dollars. The round was led by Primavera Capital Group, a global investment firm whose previous investments include Alibaba and uh, Yum China, to name a few. Love Bonito's current investors include Open Space Ventures and Kakaku.com. What led to its growth? I'm here with co founder Rachel Lim. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, Frida. Thank you for having me this morning. All right. It's a very interesting story, right? Because it started as a blog. But before we get into how it (laughs) formed, why did you start Love Bonito? Wow. Well, I I started, well, you know, back when I started, right, unofficially, 15 years ago, a couple of my friends and I came together. We were still in school back then, you know, um, in junior college, and we wanted to earn some extra pocket money. So we decided to sell our pre-loved clothes online for that. And back in the days, you must know that there was not Instagram, no iPhone, no Facebook, you know, those were really the nascent stages of, you know, uh, online community, online shopping and communicating online. So that was really how it started. We would, you know, take photos of ourselves in the pieces of clothing that we wouldn't wear anymore to post them up on the live journal platform to sell. And after a while of doing that, we ran out of clothes to sell. People kept coming back for more. So we decided to use uh, the money that we had saved to go overseas like Hong Kong, Bangkok to import clothes to sell. We did this, you know, during weekends, school term breaks. And one thing I realized is that, hey, it was pretty fun for me because I realized that the things that I would pick out, I would like, that I would wear for myself, a lot of other women also would like and they would like to wear for themselves. So that's when I realized, hey, I think I can really relate to the everyday Asian women. Mm. And the other thing I also realized was that a lot of the pieces that I would bring in, you know, I would not be as satisfied with the quality, the fit, the design details, the colors. And so in my final year of university with no fashion, no business, no design background, I decided to drop out of school take a five-figure loan from my mom to break the bond that I had with the government then to start the business proper. Wow. And I think the interesting thing was, well, I'm going to talk about the loan from my mom later, right? (laughs) I mean, it was a tough one. It was a tough one. Okay, maybe I'll talk about it first. It was a tough one because that was the year that it was a financial crisis and my dad was going through bankruptcy and my mom was already working two jobs uh, to support the family. And that amount of money was her and ended up being her entire life savings. And because of that loan she gave me, she also had to take up a third job at night, you know, to wow. uh, support the family. And that was when I knew that, hey, you know what? I can't fail. I really need to make this work. And I told my mom that I'm still young then, you know, and if the business were to fail, I can always go back to studying, work part-time jobs to pay her back. But if I don't try it now and strike when the iron is hot, I would forever regret. And the thing is because we already had built up some momentum, you know, with the business. And so I knew that if I were to focus my efforts on it, something big could happen to it. 
Right. And the other thing that also gave us the confidence to start Le Bonito was that, you know, you realize that a lot of international fashion brands, then especially, were catering primarily to the American European women who have very different body proportions, mm. needs, skin tone than us Asian women. And as, especially for myself, I realized also that, hey, why is it that, you know, some of the pieces don't fit me as well? Like the pants, they're always too long, the sleeves are too long. Where it's supposed to end at my waist, it ends at my hips, um, <laughs> things like that, right? So that's when I decided also, you know what? I'm going to focus on catering to Asian women and real women like myself for other real women. So that was the story of how Le Bonito started. Right. And so, I mean, it was quite radical, right, to do this at a time, you know, because uh, people can't imagine life before the Instagram. And, I know, know, right? Now, we call that, those were like the dinosaur age, right? <laughs> I was around, I was around. Um, <laughs> you know, like, just to hear your story, you know, you gave up your scholarship to do this. Wow. Uh, so I'm sure your mom, you know, is very proud of you right now, right? Um, okay, so you are looking at your women's wear brands. Okay, now how are you different from other women's wear brands? I know you talk about for the Asian body, but how else would you be different? Well, I, I think for us is, you know, Firstly, I think what's authentic about us is, you know, we are we, we saw a real need in the market and we are a group of real women creating for other real women. Mm. And that is something that is very different from how a lot of businesses are set up today, right? Um, you know, you, you, they saw a gap in the market. It looks like it's a, it's a big addressable market. They want to be able to, uh, you know, it, it seems like a lucrative market. They want to be able to come in, uh, you know, bring, you know, the smartest business school people to come in and try and uh, understand and decipher the market and the audience. But I think what's most important at the end of the day is you really need to genuinely understand and evolve with your customers. And that's something that's very authentic to Love Bonito. And for us as well, I think at the end of the day, you know, we exist and we have a very clear point of view that we exist to empower the everyday Asian women through every stage of her life. You know, mm. from her first job that she needs for an interview, you know, after that, subsequently, when she goes on dates, she gets married, you know, she has kids and, and, you know, she gets pregnant, things like that. We're always there for her through the different occasions, you know, beyond the thoughtful designs that we create. It's also through the thoughtful experiences that we create online and offline. Uh, we also believe that, you know, at the end of the day, it's something that I really, really believe is that great designs, a great outfit should be accessible to women. You know, when I was growing up, I used to hear that, oh, you want to look good, you want to feel good, you need to spend a bomb on, on outfits, you need to buy branded pieces, right? And I really wanted to challenge that and, and democratize great fashion because I really believe that it's not something that only the rich and the privilege can afford, right? And so that's what we really pride ourselves in, making great pieces accessible because I really believe in the power of a great outfit. You know, Freda, I'm sure you know when we look good, we feel good. Mm-hmm. We stand a little taller, we speak a little louder, we shine a little brighter. And this is so important uh, to carry us through our daily lives, our daily challenges and things like that. So right. th- that's what we really believe. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I truly believe that fashion is just a vehicle for us to reach out to other women. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's what we're also very excited to embark, right? To go beyond fashion. We have, over the last decade, been able to build a great influence with communities of women all over the world. And for us, you know, fashion has been that main vehicle. But the next challenge for us is how do we expand 
to inspire and to reach out to women beyond fashion. Mm, right. And I know you've got a, a social impact program and I want to talk about that a little later. Now, yeah. have you have you always had a co-founder or co-founders? Uh, if not, why have co-founders? If, if yes, you know, from the early days, how have you managed to keep the relationship vibrant after all these years? Yeah, it's like a marriage, right? I mean, it's like, I mean, that's a really great question. And and when I when I first started, this was like unofficially fifteen years ago, right? When we first started, it was because oh, you know, we, we it's just something fun that we wanted to do. It was really like a passion project, and it's very different from how businesses are today. Also, because the climate today is very competitive, it's very different. Today, when businesses start, they have like a five year business plan already, you know. But for us, when we first started, it was really from a really seeing a need in the market and slowly really taking our time to find our way to discover, you know, what we wanted to do. Uh, so it's, a, it's really very different. And I would say that definitely, right, I, I think having co-founders, it really has its benefits and privileges. I think the journey can get lonely sometimes, right? Uh, and it's great to have that, you know, if you have the right co-founder, it's really great to have that peer and that partner uh, for you to be able to constantly confide in, you know, to be there for each other, to challenge each other. Uh, and I think that's a very important support system as well. Yeah. Right. So all your co-founders bring different things. Co-founder or, I mean, uh, another co-founder or several co-founders? Yeah, when we first started, you know, we had two, I had two other co-founders and I think along through the last decade as well, right? Because we, we, when we first started, we were really young, even before we finished school. Uh, so through the years, you know, uh, early on, one of my other co-founders left uh, in 2013 to pursue her own interest. And recently in 2017, my other co-founder also stepped down from the day-to-day -day running of the business to just remain on the board. So that's how it has progressed, yeah. So, and you have and you have uh, stayed on uh, uh, with the game actively, right? Now, uh, so, okay, Love Bonito, currently available in Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, Philippines, Cambodia, East Asia markets, uh, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Japan, as well as Australia and the US. Have I missed any country or have I mentioned all of them? No, la, I think generally, and also we ship internationally. So, right. I, I, yeah, correct. I think you got most of them. How are these markets different and, you know, how do you manage them? Are they still catering to the Asian women in these, uh, you know, like if you talk about Australia and the US, yeah. is this still the Asian women? Yeah, that's a great question, right? For us as well, you know, uh, we also realised that, hey, there's a huge Asian population outside of Asian countries or cities, mm -hmm. right? And, and you know, you look at country, I mean, you look at cities like Perth, Melbourne, Sydney, right. uh, LA, New York, San Fran, they have huge Asian communities. And that's also what we want to target. Right. And that's when we also realize when we speak to the Asians in those markets, you know, they say that, oh, my goodness, the, the, what's available here is usually really expensive. They don't feed us as well. Uh, we tend to always have to settle. And that's the word that they use, which I was really sad because we don't have to settle. Right. Because to them, they have to buy it. It's expensive and they have to bring it to the tailors if they really want it to fit well and things like that. So that's when we realize that, hey, you know what? We have a great um, proposition to be able to uh, cater to them them in these markets. So we are also primarily reaching out to the Asian diasporas in markets outside of Asia, to your question. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, we'll continue our conversation after this. I'm here with uh, Rachel Lim from Love Bonito. Stay tuned to Enterprise EFM 89.9. Bright, formidable media. BFM 89.9.
89.9, The Business Station. This is Frida Liu. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Enterprise. I'm here with Rachel Lim from Love Bonito, who recently announced the close of a Series C funding round, uh, raising a total of 50 million US dollars. So, you know, this is really exciting news. Now, you've also uh, achieved overall growth of over 120% year on year in international markets and overall growth of 208% for your online sales. And uh, you were talking about the Asian diaspora, right? Uh, yeah. Especially the US. Now, your online revenue growth exceeded 1,200 percent year on year as of September 2021. So did the pandemic affect business in any way? And you know, was, <laughs> was this one of the projected growth or was it better than the projected growth? You know, for sure, Freda, I think the pandemic really caught all of us by surprise. Yeah. Uh, and it really took us and myself especially a while to really, you know, allow it to sink in and you know you realize that oh my goodness um it's there is so much uncertainty i don't know when this would end uh it's almost time that you have to stop wishing that it would go away uh but really just trying to adapt to accepting that this is the new normal i'm gonna embrace it i'm gonna you know throw our existing plans out of the window sort of and really try and embrace this season and make the best of it I really think that it's really all about the mindset and, and, and whether you choose to look at it, you know, half glass full or half glass empty, right? And that is something that I'm really, really proud of, uh, you know, the leadership team in Love Bonito that has really also, you know, together we have really navigated through this season together. I think it has definitely hit us um, and affected us, right? Especially with lockdowns all over the past year and even early this year, uh, we had to readjust, you know, not just for our customers in terms of our product lines because people were not going out for work as much, mm. you know. And, and in Le Bonito, we also cater uh, quite significantly to workwear. So how is it that we had to pivot, you know, to be able to be relevant in this season for our customers? I think the other main challenge was also internally, right? Everyone's facing uh, their own personal challenges at home with their families, working from home, home-based learning with kids. Um, and how can we also be there for them as a company uh, and also assure them, you know, that, hey, uh, there was a lot of uncertainty. And so how do we also assure them that, hey, you know what, we are doing our best. This is the plan. It might change along the way, but we will update you along the way. So little things like that, especially for our retail team, where a lot of them were, um, yeah, could not go to work for obvious reasons. And, you know, we also had to um, try our best to uh, ensure that, you know, we still help them put food on the table by giving them other work to do. So I think there were a lot of um, navigations we had to do, uh, but really grateful at the end of the day, right? I think in every, in every dark cloud, there really is a silver lining. And if for us, you can choose to focus in looking for what that silver lining is, or you can choose to, you know, um, dwell in, you know, the gloomy days and how mm. unfortunate the situation is. So I think what we realized through this period is also, wow, you know, great organic traction is picking up in, in, in some cities right. that we never expected it to pick up so much. For example, like you mentioned, right, US. And that's right. one key market that, you know, we decided to uh, divert some of the our, our attention and focus on into, you know, capitalizing it and doubling down our efforts there. So, yeah, I mean, it has overall been, well, I would say, you know, interesting. It's really been an interesting time for us. 
there are good and bad that happen, but overall, we're, we're really grateful for how we have navigated through it. We've really learned a lot. Yeah. Right. Well, well, the figures have shown it. So, you know, I mean, that was that was that part of your uh, expected growth? Were you were was that the numbers, or were you actually expecting more, or did the pandemic actually help your growth? You know, by focusing in the on the US. Yeah. Well, the numbers were positive and also really encouraging. I think overall as a group, right? Uh, it's definitely not as expected or projected for a normal, uh, non-pandemic season. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, in terms of talent, what was that like ma- to manage talent? What was that like? Wow. It really, it really, it, there is no textbook on this, on how to navigate through a crisis. One of the key things that we learned is the importance of over-communication, especially in a time where everyone is working virtually. I never thought that it would ever be possible to run a company completely virtual, you know? And this is not just for one month, two months. It was essentially for almost two years, you know? And, And I think that is something that, once again, we have to completely rewire our brains, reframe and really put ourselves in the shoes of our team members, you know. What will we hope to hear from our leaders? What will we hope to see more of, you know? And really also for us, we really decided to over-communicate. You know, for right. example, we used to have town hall with uh, the entire organization once a month, but we decided during this period, especially when it was uh, when it was at the crux of it, we had it once every week. Even yeah. if it's just a short session, twenty minutes, where the whole company gathered virtually to just hear from the leaders, see their faces, see every one right. else's faces, and for them to hear from us, okay. Um, everyone, this is the plan. This is what's happening. We don't know what's going to happen next week, but here's our plan. And to give them the assurance that we are here, uh, we will take care of you as much as we can and we will be accountable to you as much as possible. And week after week, we will do that. And I think it creates that sense of safety and Mm. trust, which is really important in a time where there is so much uncertainty going on around the world. We don't know when stocks would arrive. We don't know how the launch would do. We don't know what's going to happen in the world next week. And at least to give them something to hold on to for stability in their life. I think that was really important. And I think for us also, you know, to encourage our team leaders, you know, to have their own sessions with the with the with, mm. with the entire team uh, to to also hold bonding sessions to go out of their way to engage with the team check in on them i think those were really really important uh, to us as an for us as an organization right and how large a team do you have now all over close to 300 yes we have close wow. to 300 yeah okay yes I want to ask about this. this is yeah. very interesting. Your brand mission, right, to empower the everyday Asian woman. You're looking to venture into a content platform yeah. library, as well as exploration to new categories lab, which will include wellness. Tell me more about this. Very exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting, right? And I think at the end of the day, Freda, we really believe in Le Bonito that we are not just in the business of fashion. At the end of the day, Love Bonito is in the business of women. And we want to be able to, you know, create for her through different spheres, through different verticals um, to empower her in, in those aspects of her life as well. And one of the things we realize is that, hey, you know, wellness is something that's really important for women today. And we really also want to be able to use the influence 
and data and understanding of our customers that we have had over the last decade to be able to create for her in these verticals, right? And I think content is also some, a content hub, so to speak, is also something that's really important for us because I, I think a lot of, um, a lot of content comes primarily also from, you know, once again, the European American uh, uh, businesses and brands where, you know, I think for us in Asia, there are a lot of nuances that are pretty, well, not as similar to, you know, um, the, the, the European and American women. So how can we also, you know, speak more intimately to the Asian women through different topics that matter to her? Relationships, mm. marriage, mm. Uh, financial freedom, you know, um, things like that that might be sensitive and thorny but necessary just like in the very beginning how we wanted to democratize fashion right we want to democratize information and education because i truly believe that in order for women to live up to her fullest potential in order for her to be the best version of herself she needs to be able to be able to make good decisions for herself and in order to make good decisions you need to have good information be aware of a lot of you know a lot of knowledge and a lot of uh, things that are, that are going on so that's what we want to do for women at the end of the day through content through wellness through fashion through whatever new verticals that we do we want to be able to ultimately empower a woman to live her best life Right. Uh, so yeah, marriage and divorce. Right. Yes, <laughs> now, marriage, what... <laughs> divorce. You know, in laws, everything. So yes, what is LB Create? Uh, your social impact program. So that's what we launched this year, right? Officially. I think over the last decade, you know, on ad hoc basis, here and there, we've always had collaborations with social impact organizations to give back to them uh, in certain ways, you know, through partnerships, donations, uh, you know, even uh, giving, you know, men, men hours to them. Uh, but this year we decided, you know what, we're going to officialize this arm it, to show also our commitment to giving back to communities uh, that are not as privileged as you know most of us are so i think that this year we partner up with barbie for a collection you know of dolls in different sizes different colors we also created t-shirts with barbie and the proceeds went to um you know supporting girls young young girls in school for their education uh in in cities and countries that were not as privileged so this is something you know that we want to commit to consistently as a brand for love bonito especially when we say that you know, we stand for women and we want to empower women. So we really want to give back to girls and women. All right. And this is my, my final question, but there are actually two questions in it. Like, you know, are, are there challenges that people don't realize? <laughs> when it comes to finding funding, uh, finding investment for female-owned businesses, one, and, and I guess your advice to aspiring female entrepreneurs. Wow. I think... Are there challenges when it comes to funding as a female entrepreneur? I think, mm. to be honest, you know, maybe in the earlier days, there were more. Today, mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of great female-led businesses, female owners, female leaders have really gone before us and really paved the way. And so it's not as surprising when you hear of, oh, you know, this business is led by a leadership team of primarily women. The entrepreneurs, the founders are women, things like that. You know, when I first started a decade ago, the scene, the climate was so different. If you are a woman walking to a board meeting room, 
oh my goodness, the people will stare at you very differently. And it's almost like in their minds, they have shut you down. Like, oh, yeah, this business is not going to make it. You're not going to, you, you don't know what you're talking about, things like that. But today, I would say very much that it has improved tremendously. Although here and there, you know, just to share candidly, um, there will be some questions that investors, I mean, I've experienced this myself. There was uh, a couple of years back, investors will ask me, oh, so you're married. So what are your plans for having kids? You know, okay. and I will yeah. ask them, yeah, I'm, I'm okay to share with you, but how, would, how do you think this would affect the business? Right. right, And to them, it's like, oh, because I assume that when you have kids, you wouldn't be able to give your 100% to the business. And therefore, you know, we will be shortchanged and things like that. So, well, there are, I mean, it's sad, right? That, you know, they, they think about it like that. But I, I think as we all know, statistics show that, we you know, women-led, female-led businesses are also 30% more profitable and more successful, so to speak, than most men businesses. So I think I try not to focus on, you know, um, what, what people might perceive or think of women businesses and just try to do our best, uh, we'll prove them wrong. Uh, but I do believe at the end of the day, and so far what I've seen, you know, with um, having women leaders on the team is also really that women are really great leaders and, and, and I'm really, really very proud to be able to also play a part in raising a generation of strong women leaders um, in, in, in this time. The other question of, you know, what advice would I have for female entrepreneurs? Um, one of the things, one of the articles that I've read in Forbes, right? Forbes, in the article, they, they did a research and they say that women tend to be less self-assured than men. Mm. And in order to succeed, confidence matters as much as competence. And mm. we know that women are not any less competent than, right. than men. But why is it that, you know, for example, when, when, when men were to apply for a job or, you know, when they're going to look for a, a, a promotion or a, a change in role, they look at the criteria, the 10 sets of criteria that's needed. And as long as, you know, to them, they hit five out of 10 criteria, they'll put their hands up for it. Right. Yeah. And the research also shows that in that same position that a woman is in, when she's looking for a job, a promotion or a role, she looks at that same set of 10 criteria. But she feels that she needs to meet 10 out of 10 of the criteria before she feels that she's ready to raise her head and go for it. Mm. And, and, and it really brings me back to why love will need to exist and what we want to do for women at the end of the day. First and foremost, we really hope that through the Love Bonito story, you know, through the founders, through the leaders that we have, we will, the women leaders that we have, we will also prove that, hey, if you really take the time to understand yourself, get to know yourself, believe in yourself, you can pursue your dreams. And secondly, we also want to, through the products, through the experience that we create, really play a part in helping a woman believe in herself, to have the confidence to and the courage to pursue her dreams. And I think that's something that is really, really important for us in the next generation, right? I always say that, you know, my dream is that I want to see, I hope to see a tomorrow where women have the courage to be herself, be completely who she is, wear the many hats in life that she would wear and pursue her dreams. And I think that's something that Love Bonito would be dedicated to doing in our lifetime. Right. Uh, it's been such a pleasure. Uh, onwards and upwards. Uh, Rachel Lim uh, from uh, Love Bonito. You've been listening to Enterprise BFM 89.9.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.